you would, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. We can park there just for a moment. Um, as you can see up here, I have a drawing. And what I, I don't know how to title this, but this is what we're, we've been talking about in Galatians uh, chapter 5 because our theme this year is still the fruit of the Spirit. But what I wanted to capitalize today on is this word desire. Because in 5.17, it says that the flesh, the desires, I'm sorry, of the flesh are in opposition to the desires of the Spirit. And so there's a war and a battle that goes on in our life. But I find out that really and truly, as I was going through this portion here, this is, and I wrote down this, it said, when it comes to spiritual growth, desire is the primary fuel. So what I did was, is I put a, I put a, Hannonin's van here, and I have a gas can, and I have Steve, he's got to put it in there in just a little bit, but desire is the fuel. If we don't have proper desire, if we don't have desire of the Spirit in our life, we're not going to move forward. So this is what I'm trying to get in our mindset today, is desire is going to move us either forward in Yahweh, or if you're if the works of the flesh are operating in your life, which these are the desires, it's going to move you away from Yahweh. You're, going to, you're, all, you're moving some which, you, you know, you're not just sitting still. You're not in park, in the parking lot. You're moving in some direction. But what I think happens is, is a lot of times for most of us as believers, as Christians, those who study His Word and all of that, a lot of times we get caught up into the whole rat race of this, our life. It's called life. And in our life, we get caught up into the things that we desire to do. And then we realize that we don't really have a desire for the Father. And so what we do is, is we come on every week, you know, this is what I used to do. I mean, I look forward to Shabbat. And I know all of you guys look forward to Shabbat, and I really appreciate that. And it's, but it's because you have a desire for it. But a lot of times back in the day, I was so busy doing my thing, and then I would just go to church just to give him his due. That's the way I looked at it. Because really, and I had to look at it that way because that's, that was the truth of the matter. Because did I desire more of him every day of the week? Or when I got up, it was all about me and my job, and I was going through, going through the motions. And then when you have a family, you're, you know, whether you're at soccer practice or band practice or baton practice or whatever practice you're at. I mean, you get running back and forth where you just wore out, you know. And so what happens is, is I just really wanted us to focus, especially in our life, especially where we are today. I just want to bring this up again. If you don't think that calamity, if you don't think the end time can come quickly, Look at Afghanistan. I'm telling you where you had, when we pulled out of Bahrain, if that's how you say it, where we were controlling everything, the moment we pulled out of there, they knew they had, that the Afghan uh, army had no protection because we protected everybody from there. But when we pulled out, and what happened? Within seven days, was it seven days? The Taliban took over the whole nation within seven days. If you don't think a turn, of convince, a turn of events can happen quickly, it can happen. And so when we get in, and this is what this season's about, we're getting ready to do the Feast of Trumpets, and we're going to get ready to do Sukkot, and this is about end times. 
And this is about what you always hear the day of the Lord, the day of Yahweh. And this is this season. I don't know which year it's going to be, but this is the season and the time that it will be when this happens and it unfolds. And all I want to tell you is this, guys. When it unfolds, it's going to unfold very quickly. That's why in the scripture he says he comes as a what? A thief in the night. If you knew he was coming, you would stay up and you would watch for the thief. But nobody does. You may want to stay up, but about 12 o'clock you're going to get sleepy. And the next thing you know, you're going to tell your wife you got this watch. You know what I'm saying? And so what happens is, is this is the way Yeshua's return is going to happen in our life. Is And this is why the ten virgins were, was important. Because it represents the body of Messiah as a whole. And they were all asleep. And so, but when he comes, there's an awakening that happens. But somebody, even in the awakening, is going to be prepared and the others are not. This is what this season is about. So my message today was going to be this. If you don't have a desire, and look, do not feel bad that you don't have a desire for his word and his ways. Because if every one of you in here had a total 100% desire, I wouldn't be teaching this message. And I'm teaching it for me too, because I can get busy and I can get doing things for Yahweh and not giving him his time for this personal relationship here. Amen. And so this is what this is about. So what I wanted to do was, is I want to go in first Peter, then I'm going to hit something in Psalms and in Corinthians real quick. And in verse one in uh, chapter two, it says this. Now, this is a, this is about a newborn baby. Okay, newborn baby. Who has a newborn baby in here? Raise your hand. We got newborn babies back here. Raise your hand, Randy. Hannah's not going to raise her. Raise yours. Okay. All right, Randy. Here's the thing. When is it time to feed the baby? The baby lets you know. The baby hollers and cries and squirms. See, there's a crying. There's a crying whenever that baby, you don't have to worry about when to feed that baby. That baby will let you know. Usually a baby will cry and cry out. So here's the thing. In this, this is what Peter is liking this to. So put away, now listen to what we're talking about, the works of the flesh and the uh, works of the spirit, or the work of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, I'm sorry. It says, put away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Every one of them are listed in the works of the flesh. And then he says this, like newborn infants, Long for, desire, cry out for what? The pure spiritual milk. Paul is using an infant trying to show us that we have the milk of this word. This word feeds us. But are we crying out for this word? Do we desire, do we long for it? Are we fasting? You know what I'm saying? And so he's saying, long for the pure spiritual milk. That by it you may... Grow up into salvation. Guys, if you want to grow up, you've got to feed yourself. If you want to grow spiritually, this is where you get it. If you're not devouring this, you're not growing spiritually. But you're growing something because you are, got you, you, we have our head into something. We're feeding ourselves something every day, whether it's news or whether it's love stories or soap operas or whatever it may be. We're feeding ourselves something. Get my glasses back on where I can see. So he's telling us that we are to long for his word, like spiritual milk, that 
it's going to do something for us. It's going to grow us up into salvation. And guys, that's the work of sanctification. That's really what sanctification is, is every day feeding yourself. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So he's telling us to cry out, long for, and desire him. When do we do this? You do it every day. And so my thing is, is I just, in this little segment, the Father dropped in my spirit, and it was almost like, if I have a hunger pain, this is what I'm going to try to do this week, the best of my ability. If I have a hunger pain, I want to cry out to him for, I want to pray to him first before I eat my Snickers bar, which I ain't going to eat a Snickers bar, but um, if I had an apple fritter, I'd eat that too. <clears throat> but I've been trying not to eat all the sweets. But whatever I do, whether it's a peanut butter cry, I'm going to try to do that. So I just ask you guys, just think about it. Whenever you have that hunger pain, before you grab something, just do a little quick prayer to him. That way you're acknowledging him. Bring him into, and you will figure out. Now, like Tammy says, I don't eat, I graze. That's what she said. I graze all day long. I'm always eating, you know. And so my thing is, I ought to be praying all day long. <laughs> I ought to be the most spiritual person in this room. But so what I'm saying is, is I'm just giving out a little challenge. Before you eat, just in, and especially in between the meals and things, just have a little thank you to him. Just a little bit. You can do one liner or whatever. Just acknowledge him. And it may change our lives a little bit because you may be surprised. You know, when I had COVID, I lost my taste and smell. And I didn't realize for a long time. I mean, I, I, I did. I mean, I was going on. I was like, I can't believe I got this stuff because I am thankful that it didn't affect me. Really, I guess I was more asymptomatic than anything, but I did lose my taste and smell. And I didn't realize, but when I was going through it, my stomach was hurt. And I said, well, COVID must, it didn't get my lungs, it got my stomach. I didn't know why I was hurting, but guess what? I was hurting because I was hungry. But because I didn't have taste or smell, I didn't really want to eat. Then it dawned on me during this that really and truly, I was motivated by eating by what I was smelling or by what I was tasting. Drive through town and you, and you smell Burger King going off, you got to get something to eat. You know what I mean? <clears throat> you were really thinking about it. You're really, I was motivated by what I was, I was eating by what I was smelling and tasting is what I'm saying. But what is that? That is a desire. That's something that came upon me. This aroma came upon me, and it put something in action that I need to get something to drink, or I was going to die. I'd go get a work drink. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And you know me, I hard to drink water. I drink colored water, but it is so hard to drink water. I like water with a little sweetener in it. So whatever. But I'm just saying, I, I, I was just likening these things to the Spirit as I was going through these these certain situations, especially this time of year. So it says, if you tasted to see that the Lord is good. So a challenge is whenever before you have this craving, just give the Father a little thank you, a little shout out, and see what happens and see how many times you really maybe graze and you don't think about it. Okay, Psalms 42, 1 and 2. And it says, and we sing this song, as the deer pants, for flowing stream, so pants my soul for you, O Elohim. My soul thirsts for Elohim, for I are from the living Elohim, which I shall come and appear before Elohim. Now listen, what is this? A deer pants, what is he doing? What is panting? Yeah, he's thirsty because he's exhausted. 
he, there's a panting that happens. Panting means your shortness of breath. So there's an exhaustion. There's a thing. So he's saying, am, am, I, am I running after him? Am I running after him to where I'm panting? Or do I run after him where I'm comfortable? And so this is where, as a deer, as a deer, and he's saying this, our life should be to where we're running after him like a deer runs. And then he's going to bring us that spring of water so that we could drink and we can eat of him. It's just another, another longing. And then here again it says, my soul thirsts. I'm going to hit you well, a lot of times. You're going to see today in these scriptures the word thirst and the word eating and the word. You're going to see over and over and over again that he likens our physical cravings he likes it to the spirit. And then he's trying to tell us, as much as that we're eating and drinking, I'm telling you, as much as, like Tammy says, as much as I eat and drink, I ought to be the Pope. You know what I'm saying? I ought to, well, not really. But I'm just saying I ought to be really, really spiritual. Amen? Yeah, just really, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I had to, okay, Tam, work with me today. Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Yes. Going to verse 3, I don't have it. I got them all written out. There you go. My tears has been my food day and night. Very good. So this is, should be what we should be longing for. Very good. All right, 1 Corinthians 9.24. Now, I can get into this one because this one's talking about an athlete. I played ball all my life. I played ball the moment I come out of the womb. I was still in first base, second base, whatever. I mean, I, I, this is, I was consumed. I played every sport that was legal to play in Loosedale at the time. So I understand this. And this right here really ministers to me because it says this in verse 24. It says, Do you not know that all in a race, all of the runners run? Now, I wrote down something here before we get into this. Athletes desire to win, but our desire to win determines the intensity of our training. Now, I just want to drop this down here because when you read this right here, in this setting right here, there's a lot of people running, but only one's going to get the prize. So I just want to throw this out here. For those of us who, well, let's just say this. There's 50 states, I think. 50 states. Just think about this, okay? If only one person, only one person in each state will enter the kingdom of heaven. And the rest of us won't. Because we're in a race, and who is going to win this race? I'm just liking it. This is, this is. How would you train? How would you train for a race if you knew that only one in each state, number one, you would probably find the state with the least population so your chances are better, okay? Which would probably be Montana Mississippi, okay? Then what you would do is, is you would run a race, and what would Tammy, she would probably, I don't know what she would do with me, she would definitely feed me a lot so that I would be slower, Amen? She would make me spiritually overweight and all these other things so I couldn't compete. But so what I'm saying is, is how are we training? This is what Paul is trying to say here. 
the thing about it is, is most of us in life, we want the prize. We want the trophy, but we don't want to put in what it takes to get the trophy. And this life that we live in, all you have to do is participate to get a trophy. And it doesn't matter what team does what. And that is not what this is about. The whole idea is teaching and training here in the Scripture. Paul is using their Olympics back in the day because who is he talking to? The church of what? Corinth. And this is where they had the Olympics back in the day in Athens and all of that kind of stuff. So with that said, think about this. Do you not know that in a race all runners run? But only one receives the prize. So he's trying to get you to think a certain way. So run that you may obtain it. So you have to train to win so that you can run to win. If you don't train to win, you're not going to win. And this is called, this right here, well, let's look at the next verse. Verse 25, every athlete exercises what? Self-control. Is that a fruit of the Spirit? Absolutely. Every athlete exercises self-control. In other words, he watches what he eats, he watches what he drinks, and he watches how he trains. Because there's a way that you're going to do it to be able to get the gold. There's a way to do it to get this perishable wreath that he's talking about. Are we operating in self-control? Or do we just live our life like we want to live it? We can. I'm just speaking, look, he's talking to believers here. He's not talking to lost people. And when he's talking to believers here, what he's saying is there's a lot of believers operating in the works of the flesh. But they think that they're running a race that's going to get the right prize. But he's telling them that this is not going to happen. Because the fruit of the Spirit, one of them is self-control. So he's saying that you have to be self-controlled in your life, that you don't let sexual immorality, idolatry, all of these things you fall into, like we talked about up before. It says, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Now look what he says next. So I do not run what? Aimlessly. In other words, I'm not running all over the place. And I do not box as one beating the air. If we're operating in the works of the flesh in our life during this day and time, our run is aimlessly. We're running all over the place. We're not running in a straight line. And what we're doing is, is we're exhausting ourselves because we're beating the air and we're not achieving anything. Do we feel like that sometimes? That's right, we're shadow boxing. And, we, and here's the thing, really and truly, because we're during the time of Elul. For those that are visiting, the reason why we're talking about this subject, this is a time of Elul. This is a time where we're looking at ourselves and through introspection to make sure that we're not off course somewhere in our spiritual life. And the reason is, is because if we're off course, then... Here's the, here's the deal. If you've ever flown in an airplane or a helicopter like I have in offshore or a boat, you go out in the Gulf, you get far enough out in the Gulf, you don't know, you don't have a reference. And you let the wind blow you. You let the current drift. You can get in a boat. All you got to do is start here. All you got to do is just go a little bit off course, and before you know it, you're in another totally other place. And this is why we need to steadily, in our spiritual lives, we need corrections. We need His Word to make sure that we're staying on course. Because sometimes when we're just daydreaming, have you ever drove? You know, uh, I, I heard this before, but I know that this happens to me a lot. We're creatures of habit. Can we say that? Most of us are. Most of us, when we go a certain route, when we leave our house and we're going to Walmart, you usually drive a certain way. 
you don't usually just make all of these detours. And every now and then you might feel like you want to get up and you just want to do something different. But the most of the time, what you will do, I used to drive offshore from here. When I'd go to Homa, Louisiana, I would go out of Lake Charles sometimes, out of Cameron, and uh, out of uh, Intercoastal City. But when I would go through and I would get up at, at midnight and I would take off driving, and I was just, I just knew, my car just knew. All I was there is just behind the wheel, trying to stay awake, right? Stop, get me something to drink every three hours or whatever. Have you ever been in a place to where you were in your vehicle and you were riding and then all of a sudden you realize, did I pass my exit? Where am I at? Have you ever had that place? This is what happens. But this is a good thing in that if you're so used to the patterns of his word, you know you're on the right path. You don't have to worry about it. You're not aimlessly going somewhere. I just thought that was, because I've had that happen a handful of times to where I almost get a little panicked. Do I need to stop? And then, then I'm looking for a mile marker to try to tell me where I'm at. But in his word, he gives us mile markers, doesn't he? To show us where we're at so we don't get off course. So he's talking about, I do not run aimlessly, and I'm not shadow boxing, but he says this, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. That's the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. <clears throat> even Paul was concerned about di being disqualified because even he, if he got into the... Now, because let me say this. Can you enter the kingdom if you're practicing the works of the flesh? Paul said no in Galatians. He says, if you're practicing these things, you will not enter into the kingdom. And this is why he was saying this. I don't want to get to a place to where I fall off and, and leave the fruits of the Spirit and I start practicing the works of the flesh again. And the next thing you know, I'm disqualified from this race. Okay, so let's go to Acts chapter 2. You guys know this scripture. So if the desire, or the desire, is the fuel for the spiritual growth, then we need a plan for increasing the spiritual growth. And the first thing in this plan is repentance. This is the first thing that we have to come to in our life is repentance. Acts 2 says this, 36, it says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that Elohim has made him both Lord and, and Messiah, this Yeshua whom you crucified. Now this is sort of like fresh off the press. Amen? Because Yeshua had not been just recently crucified and resurrected and now has ascended. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And this is what this, is, this, is what this word is supposed to do if we're operating in the flesh. It's to cut us to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Now, they didn't put this in here, but they were saying, I'm glad you asked. And then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Yeshua Messiah, for the forgiveness of sins, and that you may receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I wrote this down here. There's two things that repentance does for us. And the first one, it keeps us honest, and it keeps our heart in a good place. That's what repentance does, number one. And number two, it creates a deeper thirst for him and it helps us to realize how desperately we need him so really what he does is is repentance it hollows us out in a sense 
It hollows us out so that he can fill us up with his word. That's what repentance does. We tell him we can't do it. We're totally dependent on him. Hollows us out. Because look, there again, I believe this just as an opinion. Why did he cre create man on the sixth day? Because he didn't need any help. Because we're always trying to help Yahweh out. We can't really just do, I think there's a better way. We, man is always into, that's why I think there's so many religions. Because we don't really want to do what he says here, and we start trying to change his ways. Because we want to do things our way. So number one is repentance. The, number two is we need to stand in a community. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. And we're going to be hitting some scriptures pretty fast on this one. And it says this. And now this is the parable of the sower and the seed. Tell me if this doesn't seem familiar in our lives. In verse 18 it says. And the others. As are the ones who are sown among the thorns. The thorns are the works of the flesh. This is the way I sort of was looking at it. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the what? And the desires or the lust for other things entered in to choke out the word and they proved it unfaithful or unfruitful. So here you see the word desire, the desires for other things. This is why we have this. The desire for other things is going to cause this to go in the wrong direction. But it's going to move it because desire is fuel. We need to be desiring the right things so that we're moving in the right direction. If we're desiring the wrong things, other things, like the cares of this world, it chokes out his word, but yet you still see the desires of other things is causing something to happen. It's just causing. If this is going in the wrong direction, it's moving, but it's unfruitful. But it's only fruitful when we're moving in the right direction. The cares and the anxieties of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, if you think about it, um, that's most of our lives. It is we're, our we're, life. We're ping-ponging between the two, and what runs between those two is a very narrow path. So we're kind of tacking, we're zigzagging, because we think, oh, shoot, we don't have you know whatever I need, so I strive more to move up the ladder make more money so I can get that thing that I think I need. Yeah. And so, you know, years ago, I think it was one of the first books I read, The Disciplined Life by some guy who was talking about, this is what it means to be a disciple of Yeshua. And basically, it, you know, a lot of it is, uh, it's two things. One, it's forgoing all the things that everybody else strives for in the world. But if you don't have that connection deep down with him, you're, you're going to constantly try to fill that void with other stuff. It's our nature. Amen. We're going to try to fill that hole with something. Amen. So if you're not connected to that well, and that well isn't springing up into you on a 24-7 basis, you're going to go one way or the other on that uh, third parable of the sower seed. Amen. And, that's in, in, and if you stay there on that path, you make it to the fourth parable of the sower, 160 and 30-fold, which is, which is 10,000, 6,000, and 3,000 percent return. Mm -hmm. We forget that. That's right. We do. Amen. So when you're thinking about what you're saying, and you're so right, right here in the parable of the sower of the seed, 
I pulled out this section because this is where most people get stopped in their life. They, they do good. They can get through the first two uh, scenarios, but when they get to the third one, it's because it's our stuff. It's what we want, and it's the things. And like you say then, instead of being on what did he say before? You start now aimlessly going through life because you're trying to hang on to the things that Yahweh's trying to deliver us from. Because everything good's not God. But we think it is because we want it. But guys, this is why I tell you, you only wear 20% of your stuff in your closet. Am I lying? Most of us wear the same thing over and over again. Now, our closet, I know mine's full. I got a quarter. Tammy's got three quarters, and it's full. But the thing, now, she will wear most of her stuff. A lot of times, ladies will wear definitely more than guys do. Guys, we usually have two pair of jeans, and we wear them until they become holy jeans, and then we give them away, and then the kids buy them. But anyway, I'm just saying, so, but is that not true? This is the way we are. But yet, we feel comfort in buying something. We feel comfort because something's on sale, and it was a good buy. And I said, but babe, it was on sale. But babe, you don't need it. But babe, you got to understand the deal I got. No, you didn't get a deal. You got more stuff, and you don't buy no more stuff until something leaves that closet. Because we're not building a bigger closet. So here, do we not do that? Whether it's with tools or whether it's got, and look, we just do this. But why do we do it, though? Because it, it, it's, it's comfort. It really is comfort. If we're, it's our binky. It's our pacifier. <laughs> Sometimes we buy things and we put things and we don't even really use it after we get it. It'll end up, because I know there's some things that I see that I said, I need to, but anyway, and I know it's lost somewhere because I can't even find half the stuff I buy. I got it all packed away somewhere, and I find it usually whenever we spring clean, right? I hear you, girl. So anyway, but that is why that scripture, we, we just need to make sure that we're not caught up in the things of the world because really and truly we do things because of comfort, and we don't need to be doing that. He needs to be our comfort, amen? Okay, Hebrews 10, 24, 25. We love this scripture because we talk about community all the time. And it says this, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. The love and the good works is the fruits of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit. He's telling us this is why it's important that we have a community and we're together. Because we together can stir up one another. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more that you see the day drawing near. And see, that's that day of the Lord that's drawing near that we're talking about. How much more whenever all of this mess is going down. Guys, I don't know if y'all know what inflation is, but inflation is going through the roof. So that means if you don't know what gas prices, if you, everything's going through the roof. And I, I mean, we go through these war cycle, peace cycles, and we go through inflation and not inflation. We go through this stuff because... The people up there in Washington, you know, they are the educated bunch, you know. But look, and here, and we're just along for the ride through this roller coaster because it's a product of their policies and stuff. 
But God, this is, this is real life situation. We're trying to make our money stretch. We're trying to make, you know, going to the grocery store and all of this. This is why sometimes we definitely need one another. It's really a blessing in this community because guess what? Most of us, most of us, most of us are not multimillionaires. Did I get that right? Amen. Okay, so with that statement, then most of us may live paycheck to paycheck or pretty close to it. So that means that whenever something really hits us with a broken this or broken that, that's not a $100 fix, but a $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 fix, then all of a sudden a community steps up with the tithe of the tithe or third tithe or whatever these portions are. And what happens is, is they're able to help people not feel the brunt of, of something that happens. And that's what community is all about. That's what I love about you guys in this community is because we help one another. We don't let one another suffer. If somebody's refrigerator goes out, we get them a what? A refrigerator. Don't live out of the ice chest. But I appreciate the heart of wanting to do it and not wanting to be a burden. But if your refrigerator, if your freezer's down, we're getting your refrigerator a freezer. That's what we're doing as a community. I don't, and, and let me just say this. To me personally, I don't care if you are a millionaire. Now, I'm not going to go buy you a $30,000 refrigerator. If that's what you need, then you're going to do it with your own money. But the thing about it is, it's not about how much money you got. It's about people being able, that don't have a whole lot, they still get a chance to help one another. There's something, because that's the good works part. That's the community part. Because let me tell you, if, if, if all Hades breaks loose, and we go back down like they did ever in a Great Depression, I don't care how much money you think you got. Because all you might have to do is just burn it to keep warm. You see what I'm saying? So you need somebody. You need one another. You need to know how to get food. Look, guys, we need food and water. That's what we need. We don't need toys. Toys are fine whenever life is good. But when it gets really, really bad, you'll find out them toys don't mean anything. I remember when I did Christmas. Some of us is older because all of our kids, we don't do Christmas, so we don't have that. But I remember, you tell me if I'm lying, if I'm wrong, Don, you tell me. I might get a present under that tree, and in 30 minutes, I'm out there playing with sticks, a mason jar, and a brick making it. And is that not the truth? Because that toy, that the newness is gone. Guys, this is what we're trying to say here. That's what the parable was about, the newness. Because we're, if we're driven by all of this, you're never, you're never going to fill that void that only Yahweh can, that only He can fill. You're just not going to fill it. So we need to desire the things that He desires for us to have, and then we and our cup will run over. If not, it'll forever be empty. We'll ever be longing for some, for stuff. Now, where in the world am I at? Okay, so did I read that one? Okay, so I'm done with that one. All right, all I want to do is, is let's go to Ezekiel chapter 36. Did I didn't write that up. I didn't write it. All right, I'm going to, I want to tell you one thing. Uh, I'm not going to read these scriptures in Psalms. But number three in our, in our listing is pray a psalm. 
Most of us don't know how to pray. Most of us will pray, and in literally a minute, we're repeating. Am I the only one that may do that? And I'm a pastor. So I'll just make you not feel so bad. I'm just saying a lot of times when we pray, we we because we really get in our prayer a lot of times is a wish list. Is how about this, 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 and this? But the Lord's Prayer was there as a model to show you how to pray. Not to pray it, but to show you how. You come in, you hallow his name, you come in with thanksgiving and all of that. So there's all of these things here. But what I wanted to encourage you here about the Psalms, part of fasting and prayer, is this. Pick a psalm and pray the psalm. What better way is to pray his word back to him that gets the results? Because guess what? He said it. And he will do it. And this is what David would do. David many, many times cried out to him about, my heart longs for you. Pray a psalm. And if you'll pray a psalm, that'll give you something. If you don't know what to pray, and if you run out of something to pray in five minutes, pray some psalms. Get some of these down. And I'm telling you, your life will change when you pray the psalms. So a prayer life is, is huge. Okay, so now we're going to go to Ezekiel. We're going to hit Ezekiel and then Philippians, and then we're going to finish up. Number four is, is that we need to focus on his goodness. If we can focus on Yahweh's goodness, life is going to be good. This is what he says here, and because I want to read this one because it's full of his promises. He says, I will take you from the nations, and I will gather you from all of the countries and bring you into your own land. This is a promise. And this is what he's speaking to us prophetically today. And then Yahweh said this, he said, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And I will clean you from all of your uncleanness. And from all of your idols, I will clean you, or I will cleanse you. So you have to say, from all of your idols, if you look at it in the works of the flesh, the first one is mentioned is idolatry. But a lot of the things that's mentioned after idolatry are linked under idolatry. Because in the commandment, The first commandment is, I am Yahweh Elohim. What is the second one? Against idolatry. Because everything else, a lot of stuff falls under idolatry. Okay, so he's promising us that he's going to do this for us. And in verse 26, he says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit that I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from the heart of flesh. From I'm sorry from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. So what he's telling here is, is he's going to take the works of the flesh from us and gives us the fruit of the Spirit. This is what he does. You can't do it yourself. This is what he's taking from you and giving to you. Now, we have to surrender to him and not fight him in the process. But guess what? Even though a lot of us has been saved for a long time, as the years go by and we get complacent, And if we don't have the desire to do what he tells us to do, the flesh will creep back in. Some people call it a slow faith. You know, until the next thing you know, you wake up one day and you'll say, how in the world did I get here? Because we go through the motions. And because we come to church. And because we do the right things, but our heart's not where it needs to be. And then we realize that we're in a mess. And then guess what? This is why this season that we need to repent, we need to do inventory. Look, it's not, he doesn't do this because he hates us. He does this because he knows he, he, he designed us, he created us. He didn't create us in this mess. 
He created Adam. You know, Adam was sort of perfect when he created him. He created him perfect. And Adam messed up. Look at us. We're not perfect. We're not being created perfect. Guess what? We're going to mess up. But yet he gives us his son. He gives us all that he, he equips us. But it's a lot of work to do to make sure that we stay on the straight and narrow path. Okay, where in the world am I at? Okay, y'all go to Philippians chapter 4. We'll finish up there. I just wanted to... Where's Ben at? Ben, will you come up here and jump on the uh, keyboard just for a moment? What I want to do is, is just give people the opportunity. Look, guys, I'm going to tell you something. You can't turn desire on and off like a faucet. It don't work that way. Sometimes you've got to ask for it. and Sometimes you've got to even repent that I'm not even... We have to, sometimes, like Tammy went through a period in her life, she just asked, Father, give me the desire to desire. I don't even have the desire to desire. We got to start somewhere in our life. And if you found your place, whether you stay there, you come to the altar, we're not going to do this for very long. But I want to give you an opportunity. Whatever we need to do is, is if you need to kickstart your life, we're going to kickstart it today. Because I'm telling you, desire is the fuel. Does anybody know what grace is? Grace is not mercy. Mercy is mercy. Grace, the definition of grace, grace is the desire that He gives you to do His will and His ways. Because without His grace, we can't do His, there's no desire there. So He gives us His grace. He told Paul, Paul pleaded with him and he says, man, take this spirit from me. He says what? No, my grace is sufficient. My power, my desire is sufficient for you. You master it. You overcome it. He told Cain the same thing. He says, why is your countenance fallen? Because he knew. He wasn't mad at Abel. And he wasn't mad at his daddy, but he was mad at the Creator. Because he did not respect the offering. But guess what? It started with Cain. He didn't respect the Creator first. And then he says, look, big dog. This is paraphrasing. <laughs> look, big dog. Sin is crouching at the door. You need to master it. I've given you the desire to master it. What are you going to do with it? But see, the works of the flesh was eating him up because Cain wanted to do it his way. And the fruit of doing it his way, he killed his brother. This is how dangerous the works of the flesh is. Because the works of the flesh, when you read the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, and I know we've been in this, and for those that are visiting, you need to read this. Because if you're operating in the works of the flesh in any of these areas, it don't affect just you. It don't affect just you. Sexual immorality don't affect just you. If you're married, it affects your family. You know, idolatry affects your family. Compulsion affects your family. Gambling affects the family. All of these things, drinking affects the family. They don't affect just you. There's not any of these sins in here that affects just you. It affects parents. It affects siblings. Especially in a marriage, it, it affects husband and wives. But the Father has placed it in our heart and give us His tools that we can that we can 
He gives us the right fuel to do the right thing to get us going in the right direction. Remember last week, our title was, Where You Stare is Where You Steer. If you're staring at the wrong thing, you're steering in the wrong direction. And this is why this is so important. But before we, I'm going to, chapter 4, 8, 9, it says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, then do what? Think on these things. Think on these things. And then it says this, what you have learned, what you have received, what you've heard, and what you've seen in me. Practice these things, and the Elohim, the God of peace, will be with you. And that's what we're here to have today. I want the Father, and and it says the Elohim of peace. Guess what? Peace is fruit of the Spirit. Everything that I read today, you can see the works of the flesh, or the fruit of the Spirit in these different things that He told you not to do and what He told you to do. So what I want to do is, is open it up right now just for this time, wherever you're at, or you can come up here, give you a chance. Our main prayer and our main desire is this, is to desire Him more than we had before we came into this place. Because I'm telling you, in the days that we're living in, the days that we're living in, And with all the crazy stuff that's going on, you better, we better have our desire, we better have our fuel in the right place. We need to focus. So we gave you a plan. Repent, be in a community, fast and pray, and focus on His goodness. Don't focus on the news. I've not seen too many good things that's happened in the news lately. But if you really go back, I can't really think too many things that's happened in the news since I was a teenager. If you really look, that's a lot of negativity there. Now, keeping up with current events, I'm not, a, I'm not saying don't do that. But I'm saying, what are we focusing on? That's, that's what I'm saying is focusing. We need to focus on the goodness of Elohim. And you know what? You'll have His peace fill your body. And He'll fill your heart and your mind. Amen. I'm going to close in prayer, but if you have, y'all want to come, you come.